I'd rather do this with you and guide you through that this. That would have shocked me. Yeah, I would have shocked you. <laughs> I would like to turn the shocking table. Yeah, stay and go, ahead of them. Uh-huh. And say, Welcome to the Child Whisper Podcast. I'm your host, Carol Tuttle, author of the best-selling parenting book, The Child Whisper. I'm with my co-host, Ann Tuttle-Brown. Today's question is, the other day, my type 3 15-year-old daughter told me she would like to try alcohol. I didn't quite know how to respond to that. While I am grateful that she feels like she can talk openly with me, she does love a reaction, and she also likes to push it push against any boundary. I tried to keep the conversation open, but of course I couldn't help but restate the dangers of drinking mixed with our family's addictive tendencies. We have talked with her about drugs and alcohol since she was young, but she still left the conversation wishing she hadn't told me. Any thoughts? My first thought is that's pretty impressive. She even told you that. Mm -hmm. She's 15 year old. A type three child again is a determined child. They have a push forward natural energy that really invokes them to want to take on challenges and take risk and kind of push get, the boundaries get their own body learning they're very they have a physical connection to the world so it's kind of a joke in this world in the child whisper world is tell a type three child not to do something that enroll that's like oh yeah i think i will and so not just I, a child tell a type three adult not to do yeah something. that's true just a type three human so I, i'm impressed with the fact she even opened up to you that you should pat yourself on the back for that there was enough open trust and feeling safe that she'd even have this conversation with you. And it sounds like the mom was kudos to her for wanting to be open and, you know, just talk about it. But she left the conversation wishing she hadn't told her. So something happened that shut her down. And or... put it turned it into, it kind of turned direction mm-hmm. for her. Well, I'd be curious, see, as a parent that – react you know how did you react and you were in your explanation you tried to manage that so it was like oh you know like trying to stay chill about the whole Mm -hmm. thing I would want to know the motive why without judging it to just say well that's interesting why do you want to experiment with it I'd want to learn her motive because it's the motive well all my friends are trying it And so there's this need for a 15-year-old to feel like they fit into their peer group. That is the biggest need. I teach you this in the Child Whisper, that uh, there are several stages of development between ages 12 to 18. The focus of the developmental stage is social acceptance, fitting in with my peers, gaining connections, networks outside my family system. And I'd want to know if the motive was, well, I want to fit in. My friends are doing this. And so I want to join the crowd, basically. Or is she just really curious about the effects of alcohol biologically in her system? Or what does it taste like? Yeah, what's it taste like? I'm curious. But she's been introduced or something showing up in her world that's got her attention. What's the motive? What's the why behind her curiosity, her interest in this? And it doesn't, from what you've sent to us. I don't know if you achieved that, but that would be in a teenager's experience. I'd want to know the driving motive. It seems like from what we, obviously we don't know the whole conversation, but she tried to be open, but couldn't help but restate the dangers of drinking mixed with our family's addictive tendencies. So there definitely was some advice, some lecture tone given. That's an interesting, that's a tough one to like 
stop yourself. You oh, feel sure. as the parent, you need to be advising your child in any high-risk scenario and giving them feedback and counseling. And of course, that's your role to guide, to counsel. That's important, the timing of that. A child will not be as open if they're met with advice constantly or counsel and being kind of preached to for the fact that trust is built by being heard. When you feel you're being heard, when you feel you're being understood, you're more willing to be open about how you feel about things. And if it's countered constantly, there's not enough time given to being heard, to being listened to. There's like, if you kind of, let's say you have a 15-minute conversation and there was one to two minutes of being heard, and the next 12 <laughs> to 13, you know, the next were Rolling being your eyes on that one. Lecture, kid. <laughs> you know, talking, being talked to, yeah. being counseled. Well, it, here it says, I couldn't help but restate. So this lecture's been given. She's been taught. Again, so she's probably thinking... Maybe you've oh, created her curiosity I've... by the frequent conversation <laughs> of this. <laughs> Maybe she's thinking, well, okay, if there's a family addictive tendencies, well, I'm going to prove that I don't have that. You know, I mean, there's always... That's maybe going a little bit too far, but does she have a pattern to want to alarm you? What other thing, what's her history of saying, hey, mom, I want to do this at age three or climbing the cupboards and being, ah, you know? Yeah. You've kind of, if you've had frequent conversations about the dangers of drugs and alcohol, you've made drugs and alcohol a really big deal in your conversations. These are the spaces that I tried to neutralize with when you were teenagers mm-hmm. and make it a not such a big deal because the alarm factor, because I figure the more energy you put on something, whether positive or negative, you're putting energy on it. You get curious. You're giving it attention. You're giving it life. You're giving it a presence in your world. And so, so if I was 15 and I came to you and I said, mom, I want to try alcohol, how would you have responded or how would you respond now? I would say, I think I would have done this when you were 15, though, <laughs> knowing me, because I actually did it with some other things. I would have said, I really would have hoped I would have gotten to the why, you know, tell me more. Why do you want to? I'd be curious about that. I would have suggested, you know, I I might have said, well, were you interested in uh, cocktails, wine? What's your choice of alcohol? Were you going for the buzz, full on slammed? What do you, I grew up (laughs) with a lot of alcohol around me. I have a background having grown up in Northern California, outside of San Francisco and Berkeley, I was around, I was in an alcohol culture as a teenager. It was very common, the norm that you would go get drunk on the weekend. And as a type three teenager, were you curious to try it? No, actually there was so much of it, it put me on the other camp to just, you know, I don't see the need and because of my own religious position and values that, you know, I didn't want to have to go make some confession. It was like, oh, I know I'm going to regret this. I'm going to feel guilty. I kind of saw the bigger picture and I didn't feel a need to do it just to fit in. I went to numerous fraternity parties my senior year in Berkeley at UC Berkeley, where the whole theme of the party were kegger parties. You'd pay five to $10. They'd hand you a cup I was the designated driver. So see, alcohol was a big exposure of my youth. And you chose it. You didn't have your mom telling you. No, no. And I don't even know if they knew I was at cake parties, (laughs) quite honestly. But I had to make choices on my own. What did I want? My parents didn't feel they had, you know, my parents weren't the kind of, they just weren't dialed into that, that kind of intimate part of your life. Well, I think that's the advantage now. Parents are more willing to talk about it and be, yeah. So with that background, I probably would have said, well, you know, let's do it together. I'd rather do this with you and guide you through this. That would have shocked me. 
Yeah, I would have shocked you. <laughs> I would like to turn the shocking table. Yeah, stay and go, ahead of them. Uh-huh. And say, and I think if, if that if this is something you're really serious about, then let's explore it. Yeah, I'd rather be with you. And I want to dispel that sort of I, I've got to sneak around feeling as well. And if was there any drive being a type three teenager in this case that I'm gonna, you know, provoke my parents. The more, the less I show up being provoked, the more that doesn't work. I mean, kind of your dad out. did something with cigarettes yeah, that was similar. Yeah, when I was about four or five, we were taking a family walk, and he picked up a cigarette butt off the floor and said, anyone want to try it? <laughs> it was so gross because it had been, like, run over. So well, Somebody had first, smoked yeah, it. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> it's like a used cigarette on the ground. Who knows how long? And so it just, like, really portrayed, like, the grossness of it. And he was like, here, anybody? Anyone? I was like no dad what are you doing and it just was I think it was neat for me to like okay like it's neutralizing it like you said right like, we're not trying we're not encouraging smoking or drinking yeah. or any of but that the, I mean like, we're trying to make it something that's if you really are going for this option I'm not going to try and keep it so far out of your realm of experience I'm like I would rather support your own exploration of this world and you're more likely to dispel any curiosity yeah then. I think the mystery of not talking about it and keeping it so bad 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 I mean and these things obviously are not good for you but if you talk about it as a parent from a more neutral ground mm-hmm. and say this is my experience and share that with them that there's more chance that that they're not going to go into it from the curiosity yeah. standpoint well the majority of people that are using alcohol that Maybe they are into wine or they have social drinking or they, they manage it with balance. You know, we but don't... at 15 years old, it's against the law, frankly. So Correct. I say, not... well, I might have to turn you in. <laughs> but what I'm saying is to, uh, what I wanted for you children is to recognize there's diversity in this world. And there's a, people that do things different than us. We don't drink, but there's a lot of people that do drink, and they manage it, and they're good people, and it's just part of their value and lifestyle choices. And so I wanted you to accept that as that's correct for other people. That may not be what we're choosing, but I don't have to make it this extreme thing that I have to stay away from. It's, I think growing with my background really dispelled the sort of mysteriousness of it all I saw the day I saw the misuse of it quite heavily you know when you've got friends literally getting slammed at frat parties and you're the designated driver it lost its uh (laughs) glam yeah (laughs) like I don't really want to do that to myself and quite honestly on a health level it's not that healthy yeah so moving aside from the alcohol and for parents of toddlers and any sort of situation, let's talk about that going into that advisory role. Yeah, that's really often do. the answer to the question here is you had an opportunity and it's a lot of biting your tongue, zipping your lip and just saying, tell me more. You can talk to me about anything. What if you had not done any advisory feedback in that entire conversation? Where would that have left things so that your daughter's now set up to come to you again. What if you invited them to be the advisor to themselves at 15? Wouldn't that be remarkable to stage questions and present the conversation in a way that says, well, what do you think is best for you? Ultimately, in the bigger picture of things, you know, where do you think this, what's the benefit? What's the value? 
What if you could turn that into them giving themselves their own counsel? And I like how you said, I mean, go there with them. I, even with my five-year-old, there have been times where she'll have an idea and it's like totally out in left field. And I'm, I'll be tempted to be like, well, that won't work because of this and this, this. And I'm just like, okay, well, what would you do? Tell me more. Like, let's go there just in our imaginations and mm-hmm. experience that. And it often dispels just by keeping it open and then just keeping my mouth shut. <laughs> and you're you're in a situation where you have a five-year-old type three daughter who's interested in things beyond her kind of appropriateness. Oh, here's a great example. Yeah, so like she, you're, it's not alcohol, but no. she's interested in she likes trying makeup. things. She loves makeup, and she, for a period there, she loved to draw on herself, and she would often say, I'm going to get a tattoo. Yeah, she's really drawn the tattoos. And I, and rather than being like, well, because you don't want to get a tattoo, because then you don't know how you want to have like, i just be like, I just didn't even say anything. I'm like, she's four years old. It's like, we don't need to go there right now. Like, let her, she'd draw on herself with the dry erase markers. They'd wash off easily. It was, she was just expressing her art. And so I just, and she doesn't bring it up anymore. And when she's 15, I feel like that pattern of just like, being able to not be lectured at, she's just going to be able to, like, share her ideas. And they'll change. She's type 3. She'll change her mind quickly. If you had made that a taboo thing and, like, oh, no, 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 that's going to pique her curiosity. Yeah. And, and then actually... she'll see other people with tattoos in her 4-year-old mind think, that's this and this and that's wrong, that you know. And so from my perspective, Or just... I don't know why that's wrong. I want that. See? Yeah. And like, and to I, me, there's not a right and wrong to a tattoo. That's just right. But at four years decision. old, I would. I mean, I could have given her the lecture. Well, I don't want you to do that. Da-da-da. Right. I just told her tattoos hurt. <laughs> but, yeah, and then just painful. yeah, just kind of let her let her do her thing. I think. Yeah, I want to make it clear that we're not <laughs> pro or con on tat, but we're talking about a scenario with a young child that was interested in something, you could have easily taken this position of lecture advice Mm -hmm. and we don't do that and you don't, you shouldn't want that. So to this week's practice is when your child comes to you and they start to talk about something in their world that maybe you feel you need to counsel, give guidance, give feedback, what if you were to just say, tell me more and choose not to play the advisory role with the bigger vision goal of being, I'm doing this so my child knows I will listen, I will hear, I will understand. Because in that art of understanding, all you're saying is, so this is how you feel about it. Oh, that's interesting. So your experience with this is, yeah, it's just called empathic listening. It's just restating what you're hearing and saying, thanks for sharing all that. I am, you know, you can talk to me about anything. Now you're building trust because when you get to the tough subjects, there's going to be trust, that foundation built. What an opportunity this week to enroll this practice of listening so your child feels heard and understood and there is trust built. Thanks for listening. For more support, go to thechildwhisper.com where you can purchase the book, subscribe to our weekly parenting practice email, and find a transcription and audio of the Child Whisper podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, thank you for leaving a review. If you have a parenting question, please send it to parenting at liveyourtruth.com.